From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Dorothy Butler Gilliam was the first African-American female reporter hired by the Washington Post. The year was 1961. She was just 23 years old and had her work cut out for her as the civil rights and women's rights movements became pivotal news stories and defining chapters in American history. She retired from the Post in 2003, but this year published a new story. Her own. Her memoir is called Trailblazer, a pioneering journalist's fight to make the media look more like America. My colleague Leah Fleming recently spoke with Dorothy Butler Gilliam about her book and efforts to diversify newsrooms then and since. Let's talk about how did you wind up at the Washington Post all those years ago, 1961? Well, I started in the black press, mm-hmm. and uh, I started actually as a secretary. I was a, a college freshman in Louisville, Kentucky, where I grew up, and I went to get a job there at the Louisville Defender, the local black newspaper. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, I did was just write letters for the editor. And then one day he came over and said, well, um, the society editor is ill, so we need you to go out and cover a story. And I thought, really? But I just took the dare, and there I went. Mm -hmm. And um, I really fell in love with journalism because, personally, I really saw how it could expand my world. Uh, uh, Just just covering, you know, the small black, middle class in in Louisville, Mm -hmm. showed me uh, how different people live. And uh, I learned so much. And he continued to let me write. Uh, I ended up wanting to go and major in journalism. So I went to Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. But um, I still had this dream. Remember, the civil rights movement was going on. It was before the women's movement. But, you know, I was we were being pushed as, as young black people to you know, walk in some of these doors that were that that had not that had been previously closed, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I went I went to the Columbia Journalism School after I finished undergraduate school, and um, it was just routine for the Post to come to Columbia to interview people, and the editor said to me, he said, "Well, we're interested in you, but you don't have any daily experience," and that was correct. He said, "But if you ever happen to be in Washington." come by and meet our managing editor. Mm-hmm. Well, I just happened to be in Washington <laughs> no, That's a few weeks after that. And I called him and I said, I'm here. And he said, come on by. And um, the managing editor uh, asked why I was there. And I said, well, I'm about to go to Africa. And he found that, you know, that very intriguing, you know, this young black woman mm-hmm. about to go to Africa in 1961. You know, Africa is just on the threshold of minor change. But, the, you know, there was, it was uh, intriguing to him. He said, well, why don't you send us some stories from there? And I did. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever published them, but I think it let them know that I could write. Uh, and what were you going to Africa for? Just to exper- just to see? No, it was part of a, a program called Operation Crossroads Africa, started by a minister from Harlem who, several years before, and what he did, he would take America, American students and they would work with an equal number of African students. And we did physical projects, physical labor. And the whole idea was a cultural exchange, but it was on an even basis because we were working together. And uh, so I spent two months in Kenya, and that was, uh, you know, one of the changing moments in my life. Mm. 
So when you got back, that's when they hired you? That's when they hired me, oh. after I had written some stories from Africa and sent them to them. Oh. So what was that like going into the newsroom uh, in, your, in your early days, your first days, and being the only black woman and one of just a, a small handful of people of color in the newsroom? Right. Well, my, the professor at Columbia had kind of prepared me for it. He said, you have so many handicaps, you'll probably make it. And I thought at first, you know, today that would be considered racist yes, and sexist, you know. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was... Uh, you know, he. I think he was just trying to prepare me for the challenges, and so uh, I, you know, I, I expected problems. Let's put it like that, mm-hmm. and I got them. Uh, you know, there was still, you know, some, the the night editor who called black deaths cheat murders. Um, we aren't going to put them in the paper. Those are just cheap murders, cheap deaths. Um, there, there were. Uh, just you know, just doing the job, you know, trying to cut, catch cabs, uh, because in, it was a very segregated city, which was one of the things that shocked me that the nation's capital was so racially segregated in 1961. But it was, and um, so just a, I, the challenge of getting stories on deadline, because of course in daily journalism, time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was challenging in that little ways, and you know your, the colleagues who would see me inside and be a little civil would ignore me on the streets. And at first, it was just you know like it's just humiliating. I mean, what what is it about me that you know? And then I knew, of course, that it really wasn't about me, but you know, it felt like it mm-hmm. uh, because of the racial. Uh, segregation mm-hmm. and uh, of, the, of the city and of the nation. Mm. So we're living in a time right now where mental health care has become more normalized. Before this time, though, before it became normal, did you ever t- think about talking to a mental health professional about what you were going through? Because certainly that does what you experienced cause, I think, some kind of emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it did. And uh, I did I, I really was happy that I was able to to work, you know, with the therapist at times. Because mm-hmm. didn't uh, you have anxiety attacks? I thought. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You experienced that. Yeah, and I think you know, in many ways, that was those were the early days uh, when you were able to really work with the therapist and kind of help understand what was going on that was beyond you, uh, uh, things for which you had no previous experience. And mm-hmm. I would sometimes feel, you know, very upset that uh, I had to use the creative energy that I wanted to put into my stories, uh, you know, really uh, working in order to, uh, you know, just uh, do the job mm-hmm. and and do all that the, the job uh, just demanded. I mean, I can remember going into, uh, before I did some of the uh, reporting that I really enjoyed most, I would go into some of the white neighborhoods and interview people and, you know, I walked up to a door to go in with my notebook and all of this, and the doorman said, you can't come in this way. The maid's entrance is in the back. And, uh, you know, so I had started the morning out as a reporter, and before, before, you know, noon, I'm having to defend myself in terms of somebody who is, you know, putting me in another category. You know, I feel like I'm sitting with a therapist at some point, as a as a fellow black woman journalist, and I and I, I just have to ask you this because this is my experience. 
I come into the newsroom, I'm on the air reporting very painful things sometimes about uh, people that look like us and uh, their stories. And there are just times when I either want to cry or I want to scream. I'm so angry and I, you know, I have to uh, maintain, I have to divorce myself. But then I leave, you know, and I go home and that's when, you know, the process begins of some sort of emotional healing to come back and do it again the next day. I'm wondering... What did you do back during those times? Because you were going through the civil rights movement um, and the women's movement. You saw a lot of painful things and, and had to report on them. How how did you handle that? And, and what advice do you have? Well, uh, I think I didn't always handle it that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things uh, that uh, I did, I learned to kind of eat to painful emotions, you know, uh, that was not a healthy thing to do, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do that. You know, that business of uh, self-care in the midst of our business mm-hmm. is really important. And so I was I found other ways, you know, to um, express my emotions in terms of, as I said, you know, to a therapist. I didn't want to leave the business. I'm speaking with journalist and author Dorothy Butler Gilliam. She was the first black woman reporter at The Washington Post, and she's here to talk about her new book. It's called Trailblazer, a pioneering journalist's fight to make the media look more like America. So what are some of the challenges that that you see in the media landscape today, in in media newsrooms today? Well, uh, one of those challenges is looking at the fact that the number of black women in journalists uh, that, that has, has really re- remained pretty stagnant in so many ways. So, so that all the diversity we've been pushing for, you know, still hasn't made, had the impact mm-hmm. that uh, I hoped it would make. And, and I think we demonstrated it could make. A lot of that, that's complicated by many things. One is the technology explosion. And of course, the fact that you don't have as many newspapers uh, uh, you don't have uh, as many uh, people who are being employed by newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often when, you know, they offer buyouts, et cetera, those are some people, you know, take the, take the buyout. Mm-hmm. But um, I think another thing that has me concerned today about uh, the, the media and about diversity is the fact that from the highest positions in the land, Journalists are being so denigrated, um, and and uh, journalism and truth telling is being so denigrated. And I think for uh, you know when when you hear reporters being called enemy of the people, and you know these kinds of things that are so um, just the opposite of what journalism is. Uh, you know when I think of what is involved in investigative reporting. You know, where you spend days and hours and months, or could be even years, mm-hmm. you know, digging for the facts of what's going on and being able to put that out there. You know, I think about my own colleagues at the time, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, when they d- worked on the... Um, A Watergate. The, the, yeah, 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 Watergate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it also, it was almost two years before that story uh, kind of really materialized. I mean, they were still doing the digging. So I think um, when we have uh, the, the the highest office in the land, you know, being turned against 
journalists and journalism in that way. It's different from what we are trained to do and what journalists want to do. They want to make a difference mm-hmm. and, and to be truth tellers. So how do we begin to make media look more like America? Not, and not just people of color, but also there are poor people. There are people that don't live in major cities. They live in rural areas. How do we do that? So I think one of the things is it's really important for those people in power to recognize how, how crucial it is uh, to, to have this diversity. And uh, I've been really excited to hear about a news lab that we have, you all have right here in Georgia. That's right. That where, you know, young people from diverse backgrounds are being taught to be investigative reporters uh, doing important work. Uh, and uh, so I think it, it's what it need. What we need is you know that continued uh, focus on them. Uh, I've been. I I still work with an organization called the Maynard Institute. Uh, we have trained people over the years, and uh, even now we're trying to go back into newsrooms and make make people uh, and editors more sensitive to the importance of diversity. Uh, so that's that's a very crucial role. So as a Washington Post journalist and columnist, you told the stories of others. And I'm wondering, what was this process like for you documenting your own story in this book? Well, the most challenging uh, part of that was uh, when my editors kept saying, well, how did you feel about this and how did you feel about that? And one of the things about journalists is and that we move so quickly from story to story. Much of the time, I mean, if you're doing a big investigative piece, that's one thing. But, uh, you know, we, we try not to let our feelings get in the way of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, to have uh, the editor of the book uh, continually saying, you know, how did you feel about this or that or the other was, was a little challenging. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have emotions, but mm-hmm. it does mean that, you know, you learn to work around that. Uh, it's interesting. I was watching uh, uh, book TV the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Woodward was in, uh, actually interviewing two women who had written a book that really uh, laid out a lot of the sexual abuse of, of Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. And these women were talking they, how many years they had dug to really tell this story. But, you know, they, they, when the question was asked of them, you know, how, how did it affect your emotions when you were doing this digging? They basically said, well, you know, we, we weren't going to let that be part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, we were going to focus on the facts of the case and not get let our emotions be a part of it. So it's kind of a journalistic way of thinking mm-hmm. uh, that I could understand and identify with. Uh-huh. So you didn't have to write a book about your journey, about yourself. Why did you do it, though? You know, I think after I retired from uh, my work, uh, my last, oh, 15 years, almost five at the Post and then 10 at George Washington University, I was trying to reach down into high schools mm-hmm. and uh, bring journalists into high schools so we could find potential talent, but also help young people know that they have a voice and that their voice deserved to be heard. But how do you express that voice? And, you know, media is a, a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was part of that journey 
that made me realize, you know, this, we need to just tell this story. Mm-hmm. And part of it was that I also wanted to show the role of black journalists in making what change we had made. And sometimes, you know, we there's been regression. But uh, what I've tried to do in the book is also just a lot of the, you know, incorporate a lot of the history of, of, of um, you know, how black journalists started programs and expanded them and fought for them. And uh, so I wanted to tell that story that I hadn't seen told before. GPB's Morning Edition host Leah Fleming there speaking with the pioneering journalist and author Dorothy Butler Gilliam. Coming up, the Bitter Southerner podcast is back with its second season. We'll get a preview and add a couple of more books to our Southern reading list with Waffle House Poet Laureate Karen Head. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stick around for more of On Second Thought.